0: it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 58, recorded Friday, September 9th, 2011. Back in the Saddle. Back in the Saddle is a pretty good Aerosmith song, but it has nothing to do with our title today. Uh, We're back from Splunk's user conference after a couple weeks off, threw out some interviews, but today it's Splunk Talk Q&A we're back Maverick it's exciting isn't it
1: yes it's very exciting
0: boy you sound excited hold on go to Red Bull
1: let me let me do it again hold on okay we're back Maverick hey it's exciting to be back
0: wow that's inspiring it's visionary it is fun. It's
1: fantastical. <laughs> awesome. So
0: we had we were at User Conference.
1: That was pretty cool, wasn't it? That was totally cool. Yeah, and there's a bunch of we you released a bunch of the things that we did out there with a lot of the customers we had and partners and stuff. Pretty neat.
0: Yeah, yeah. We interviewed customers, partners, some splunkers. There. If you haven't listened to it, there's a good one, which is probably episode number fifty-seven with Octavio Deschullo. And uh, Mick Shahnhee, who are in in Splunk support, and they talked about SOS, which is a really cool app that support uses that you can download to see how your Splunk server is doing. So check that out.
1: Yeah, what do you know? Splunk on Splunk. That's just, that's pretty amazing to think about that. Kind of mind blowing almost. Splunk, Splunk, Splunk,
0: so that you can Splunk better, I
1: yeah. guess. I and, guess. I don't know.
0: Okay. I like, we're back, okay, as okay. Jeff Blake used to say <laughs> when he was on the show. Um, we are back in the saddle again with our typical Splunk talk format. Wow. And, you know, we've been getting some feedback that our questions are too. Too what? I don't know. Are they too advanced? I don't know. What? Too advanced? Who's saying that? I don't know. Some guy who used to be on the show.
1: Saying, oh, really? Yeah, so maybe... Uh, it, is he a fake or a real?
0: Ah, uh, he's a real. And he's you know what? Here's a question for... The, before we get into the q and <laughs> here's a question for the audience. Um, a. Why do we say A and B? That's so stupid. Okay, so first question is for the audience. Do you think that Splunk Talk in its current state is um, meets your needs as far as, you know, questions, hard stuff, interesting things? Question number two. <clears throat> Do you think that uh, brand new users would benefit from something a little bit more, I don't know, tame, basic, tame basic, or basic, base. not to be derogatory to basic? So we like your feedback on that, SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. But now is the time for Splunk. some typical Q&A. And Maverick gets to start it out as usual, I think.
1: Yeah, usual. That's usually. a couple of weeks. That's correct. All right, I got a question for you. So if you're ready, I will ask you the question and then you can proceed to answer first and if I have any I believe additional... that I'm ready. You probably and you're probably going to be right and correct as as you always are. Um <laughs> <laughs> so how You're much so storage nice. would be how much storage would be prudent on a Splunk server indexing 30 to 40 gigabytes a day and what might be the performance benefits of 10k rpm versus 15k rpm SAS drives Did you see what you did there you slid in two questions I, I was. You
0: slid in two questions.
1: I did. I just slid that second one right in there. Okay. I, like I think it. it's called nesting. I nested it in you, there. Yes. It was
0: a sub question.
1: Oh, okay. That's a sub question.
0: Okay. So let's say. So, first, since if one was doing a sub search, uh, they would answer the second question first. So, I'm going to answer the sub question first. Okay. So, the sub question is what's the difference, really, what's the difference between on disk performance? Uh, yeah. between fifteen, ten and fifteen thousand RPM drives. Well, um, aside from the obvious, one is faster than the other. Um, a lot of times when you're indexing data in Splunk, you actually won't notice if you have slow disk, if, unless you're doing real time. Yeah. Uh, because you you typically don't watch indexing. Now, um, if you use our deployment monitor app, which you should. There's actually a section in there that tells you if your indexers are overloaded. So that would be a way to find out. But you might notice if you have um, not the best disk I.O. or input-output operations. Sometimes we call those IOPS. You might notice if you're doing search. Because when Splunk does search, (coughs) it is doing a lot of read. Even when it retrieves where the data is. And then when it retrieves the raw data, it does a lot of uncompressing. So if you were to look at 10,000 RPM versus 15,000 RPM, um, the average IOPS that that raw disk gets, so let's say your laptop, laptop, well, older laptop, 5,400 RPM SATA disk gets 50 to 75 IOPS, per, IOPS, which is input-output OPS per second. Right. 7,200 RPM, which is probably in Maverick's laptop, Uh, gets 75 to 100 IOPS. A SAS drive of 10,000 gets 100 to 125 IOPS on average. And a 15,000 RPM gets 175 to 200 IOPS. So it is potentially twice as fast as far as IOPS, depending on how you configure it. Now, if you raid this stuff out, you'll get better performance. Uh, The other caveat is, if you use solid-state disk, that gets gajillion IOPS once it gets five to ten (laughs) thousand IOPS but that isn't going to matter that much because at that point in time the disk is operating so much faster than the CPU and the CPU will become a bottleneck but the second question so you know what if you're going to buy disk I'd buy a faster disk now because you're probably not going to buy disks for a while but then again if you frequently swap swap disks out then buy whatever you want in this case Fifteen thousand RPM disk is going to be potentially order of magnitude faster.
1: It could be. Okay, but that, but the second, but the first part of the question. Outer is question. The, the outer question. The parent question. The 30, 40 gigs by today. Mm-hmm. What's what's prudent when it comes to storage for that?
0: Well, uh, any every vendor will answer any question with it depends. Well, I do well, of course. I do of say course. no to some things, but um, it depends. Uh, if if I said to you Maverick, I am gonna do thirty to forty gigs a day. How much storage? What question would you ask me?
1: Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: how long do you want to store it for? Oh, that, oh that's yeah. true. Yeah. How right. long?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, because that does have a that's a big factor. Yeah, unless
0: you know, if you're if you're putting onboard storage, you got a finite limit versus a SAN, you could potentially have an infinite limit.
1: Yeah, true. Just,
0: okay, true. so uh, Splunk. Let's say the worst compression you possibly have. Splunk usually compresses data between like 19 and 40% of disk size, uh, of raw data size, which depends on the entropy or how different the events are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we use Gzip style compression. So. so let's say you're indexing 40 gigs a day. Splunk will probably compress that. Let's say the worst job it would do would be to 20 gigs. Mm hmm. Um, if you were going to do 20 gigs a day for 365 days, meaning you were going to keep a year online, you'd need about seven, just over seven terabytes okay, of storage. So if you were to swag it uh, at, say, let's say 40 to 40 percent, um mm-hmm.
1: To be conservative, yeah. To be it, yeah. to be
0: real conservative, and then if you were to say for 365 days, because there are some days when you're not going to be indexing at your highest rate, like a weekend. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. a 24 hour e commerce business, like I don't know, Expedia, for example, they probably and they probably uh, you know have logging all the time, but there may be some times when they're uh, you know have 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 slower times. But if you max it out like that, and you want a year online. You know, you do the math. It's not that hard. But, you know, maybe some people aren't aware that Splunk does compression. So um, average compression rate times number of days times,
1: uh, you know, one. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, just to add on to this uh, answer a little bit, um, I know that how you configure your RAIDs, uh, of the disks if multiple disks kind of also dictates how much space you have too right so sometimes mm-hmm. you can do it at rate 5 versus rate 10 and you'll get more space but not as much not as fast um, versus having it faster but not as much space so sometimes you need to consider that as well to see what your u- ultimate amount is going to be and kind of figure out what kind of searching behavior you're going to have and Like you said, the kind of entropy and how many, how much you're going to grow it over time. Some people don't realize that you know what you start with now is not what you're going to have in six months or a year, right? So if you plan to do it for a year, it might grow more, and you might need to plan for that growth as well.
0: Yeah, and you might you might be a small company who hasn't gotten to the point where they need to to do managed block storage like on a SAN. Yeah. Whereas you're looking at buying a kick-ass piece of hardware that has a lot of onboard storage, and if you have onboard storage, obviously you can't grow it as easily as you can a SAN. So just think about the duration that you want to that you want to keep it, and then just do some math on that. So, um, thank you for helping me out with that answer, Maverick. Here's a question for you. Maybe I can help. Um, my okay. Splunk indexer, not mine, because. My Splunk indexer doesn't index the person asking the question. The person, yeah, yes. The person who asked this question said, My Splunk indexer is monitoring a huge number of files and experiences over 90% CPU utilization upon startup. They must be, they must be starting their Splunk server, yeah, uh, from time to time. Mm. Now, I had tried setting the ignore older than equals one day option in the file monitoring. Stanza in the input stanza, mm-hmm. uh, but that seems to cause gaps in my data. What can I do to reduce the CPU cycles? That's wow, a weird this, question. This, <laughs> that's a confusing this, set of questions.
1: This is well, actually, it's like a, yours. It's like a nested one. Yeah, it's Not a sub question. Okay. It's a sub question. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll do like you did. I'll follow suit if you don't mind and do the same thing and kind of answer the second one first. Go for it. The, the ignore older than. I think we've covered this on another episode too, but it, it's important to point out. I think when I when I hear this, uh, I immediately think that. Well, that's not even the right parameter to use. I mean, I think I understand why you're trying to use ignore older than because you want to, you know, say start it but only get things that are older than a certain date and ignore the rest because you want to try to cut down on getting everything, all the historical data. Because as you know, when you start Splunk up, it's going to get anything it hasn't indexed since the last time. Or if it's the very first time, it's going to try to get all of the historical data as well as keeping track of the real-time thing, like maybe one file out of 100 and a directory is being appended to It'll keep up with that as well as trying to continually index till it gets all of it. Mm-hmm. And then we know that you know, ignore older than uh, probably is not the right parameter because uh, you want to use that only in the cases, really, the special cases that um, you have files being created in a directory and they're being appended to for a little while, but then you expect them at some point to never be appended to ever again. That's why that option is really in there is to say, I don't want to keep tailing because Splunk's going to keep monitoring all the files in a directory, for as long for forever unless you have this parameter set to say if it's older than a day or older than a week, which might be maybe that's more realistic for this kind of parameter more than a week or more than a month, I know it's never going to be appended to again, and that's kind of what I was put in. So, so it's, that's why you're getting the gaps, and that's probably why it's not a good way to do it for the startup kind of idea. Um, the, what, what you really want to use probably if you're on Windows is this one that says current only equals true, I think, is the parameter you maybe really like want to use. follow tail? For well follow tail to yeah, no, but it, there's one called current only okay. or something and it's only on Windows and it's in it it's so it's it's a Way of not getting all the windows events, for example, um, except for the current ones, and it just totally ignores any history because most people on Windows events they don't care about the history they just care about going forward so that's one thing to consider the other thing to consider is if it's on you know if it's for other reasons it's ninety percent is to realize is it really a startup thing is it really just because it's getting history and you just need to let it settle down and it's okay, or maybe you need to you know tweak the um, the stanza, the input stanza and not be so greedy about like pointing it to the parent directory all the time and saying right, get everything, yeah. you know, like, like what were you saying? You were saying one time we were talking with somebody about being a robot, like just because it's a robot or something. Yeah,
0: just, I mean, Splunk's like this robot that'll just eat everything.
1: And if you're eating, if you
0: have like piles of files, miles and miles and piles of files that <laughs> actually are not being written to you, but you're telling Splunk okay, eat the whole directory, and they're old, Splunk's still going to check to see if they're there. And, you know, you might want to consider even creating your own process that adds certain files to be monitored or whatever. Now, here's one thing about the – here's one thing that I – when I discovered – by the way, thanks for that tip, Maverick, on current only. Because I just looked up in the docs. Yeah, And interestingly, quick digression – This is for the Windows Security Event Log, and there's actually two parameters in there: start underscore from equals oldest, Mm -hmm. and then uh, current only equals one or zero. Like I guess that means true or false. So I'm gonna have to look into those, which is kind of cool. But um, as far there's the challenge that you deal with uh, with ignore older than. Is if you not, if you don't have, ignore older than is great if you don't have a mechanism to clean up your old logs, right? Because Maverick just said it was designed for stuff that's not, that's written to once, but then is eventually not going to be written to. Maybe a rolled over log, okay? But if you ignore older than equals, let's say, seven days, or what what was it? You said one day.
1: One day, yeah.
0: Um, That's for the current session, So, for example, uh, let's say you say ignore older than 1D. And Splunk starts up, and it's now really carved off its list of stuff to ignore. That's what it did. When it started up, it looked through the file system and went, all right, what should I be watching and what should I be ignoring? And now, like two minutes ago, something wrote to that file Splunk is not going to pick it up because it's already in its kind of in-memory blacklist of stuff to ignore. Right. So, you know, like we were thinking, maybe you want to, you know, maybe you want to use forwarders a bit more to reduce the CPU load on the indexer if the indexer is monitoring all the stuff locally. Right. Perhaps you also want to, um, you know, just really take a look at how the files are being created and even feed them to the Splunk in a manual way. So it's just something to
1: consider. Well, yeah, set up an input for each one of the ones you really want. Cause sometimes you just right. do it because you're la- like I said, you're lazy and you just say, hey, turn on the robot, let it go, get everything. When in reality, you just only want three or four. When you really study it and look at it, take a time just for one of them and realize that you only need three or four, just add inputs for those three or four. Just add one to whitelist down to those three or four in your whitelist. Or if it's easier to do the blacklist, blacklist also to say, I want everything except these certain kinds of things that have this in name or whatever. And then, you know, that way it cuts it down too. I mean, at some point though, it may be that you need another index or like you're saying, or, or, you know, you need to design something to handle it because you weren't expecting it to grow. Grow like that. Like I said, some customers find out unexpectedly that things are growing, or we need to keep adding and growing things, and they don't consider that originally it did, there wasn't much in there. And then pointing it to the whole parent directory was fine when you first started, but like six months or a year later, you're realizing, you know, that's you got to take another look at it. So just keep that in mind for those of you that have been using Splunk for a while. That that could could be the case if they, if you're experiencing the same kind of thing too, right? So.
0: Excellent. It's it's it, and and those aren't really necessarily that advanced. Like the questions we asked today aren't really that advanced. Like people wanting to <laughs> uh, figure out storage issues, and then also people dealing with CPU issues or how their files are laid out. So, um, all right, you know what we usually do. Is we talk what? about what's coming up next and what did we learn? So if this is the first time that you listen to Splunk Talk, we usually ask a few questions based on customer answers. And then we kind of talk about if you're not spending your whole life on Splunk.com slash page events, <laughs> you might not know what's going on. And if you took our newsletter and put it into your spam or unsubscribe to it, Splunk's <laughs> newsletter. So uh, there, it's, it's like it's Splunk live season again, you know. It was back in April when there was like a million Splunk lives. Yeah. It shouldn't be Splunk lives. It should be Splunks live, technically. Yeah. Um, Versus Splunk lives. Uh, Splunk lives. (laughs) Quick rundown. Uh, September 14th, uh, Splunk for FSI, English speaking. That's an APAC. Oh, that's a webinar coming up. But Splunk live is um, Tuesday, September 20th in London thursday september 22nd in amsterdam um in october we've got splunk live on interestingly on october the 11th birthday of my da- my brother dan Wild. uh splunk live in seattle a day later not by the same group but by the folks in johannesburg october 12th south africa and then again not by the same group because this person would be flying around uh, Splunk Live Denver, October thirteenth. Uh, there's back again, not by the same group. October fourteenth in Cape Town, South Africa. So you got two on two in the uh, in South Africa, uh, one after the other, and of course uh, one in Seattle and Denver just the following couple days. So those are some big ones coming up. Trade shows like Citrix Synergy, if you're a Citrix person and you're going to Synergy, come over and check out the Splunk for Zen desktop app and the Splunk for Citrix NetScaler apps. They'll probably be showing them. That's over there in October. That's October 26th through the 28th in Barcelona, Spain. Now, Maverick has, there are a couple other events there. You can check them out at splunk.com page slash events. Maverick has an announcement uh, that he has to make about Dallas. What, what do you got going on? I do.
1: what Oh, yeah. No, I know. I'm just yeah. kidding. Right. Uh, I wanted You're to freak like, you I had it for he, breakfast. You did such a great setup. I wanted to freak you out. No, uh, we actually, yeah, we're, I'm really excited, actually. to, um, We're having our first inaugural, inaugural, however you say that, um, Splunk user group. For the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So if you are if you can hear me and you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, or if you know a Splunker yourself that lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that would love to attend, we would really appreciate them coming out and enjoying some dinner and beer and a bunch of Splunk talking with other Splunk users. And that's going to be held Tuesday, October 11th, 2000, or 2011. Um, it's going to be at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and it's going to be at the main conference room at the building at 5340 Legacy Drive, Plano, Texas, 75024. So come on out and enjoy awesome. some food and beer and uh, meet some fellow Splunkers from around the Dallas-Fort Worth area.
0: Cool. That sounds like fun. Will Pete Elkey be there?
1: uh most likely i'm sure i'm missing i hope well you never know know. he
0: travels a lot he's a former splunk customer from pegasus and he's now a a client architect he's a really smart guy and he actually looks like a complete rock star although he He doesn't play any instruments
1: he told yeah he doesn't but he but he rides a bike he's a cyclist and he's like really really an athlete i refuse to comment on cyclists but uh (laughs) but are you gonna come up you should come up for it uh when was this again October eleventh, mm. Tuesday, Tuesday, October eleventh. You should come up and do it. I know that uh, I think Terry Martin's gonna try to come up from Austin. Terry Rhodes, and then um I might see if Jeff Blake wants to come down for it to you.
0: I keep forgetting that Terry Martin lives here in Austin. I mean, I know he's traveling all the time.
1: He's always traveling, yeah. yeah. He's traveling. But but he 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 wants to come. He's got a bunch of uh his client he's a client architect as well, and he's got a bunch of them here, like the guys from ATT and Metro PCS and stuff. So um
0: I don't know, dude. Katie's got QBR that week. I might not be able to go. That sucks. Anyways. Okay, cool. Um, let's do this. All right. Final segment of the evening, day, morning, whenever you're morning. listening to it, grass cutting episode. <laughs> I still want to meet the grass cutting person. I got to go look and see who that was and, and maybe take a picture and then simultaneously cut my grass at the same time whilst listening to podcasts. And perhaps we'll be teleported to the same location of wherever grass goes. Anyways, I digress. What did we learn this week? I have a couple of things, one Splunk-related, one not, but do you have anything?
1: Um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, i got got lots of little things, but the ones I was going to mention real quick was uh, I learned that the deployment monitor, whenever your license runs out or if it expires or something like that, uh, doesn't Doesn't search anymore, but you can still go to the search app and search index equals underscore internal, and you oh. can still get the metrics that way.
0: That's interesting. That's I don't a good know if thought.
1: I don't. It, it, I think it's just by it has to be that way because it's an app, right? It has to be. I think it has to be that way, but you can still get to it. But I learned that you can still get to it by just going to search app. Oh, that's um, cool. that's actually then, a good little hack. And then also helping Jesse Miller, the other guy on our on our team, I learned that. um uh, which I think there's something. There's a couple of things we learned from him. You and I learned the other way We probably want to talk about maybe in the next episode. But this one I was I was going to share this time was learning a little bit more about the XPath and X, uh, X, XML
0: unescape.
1: Okay. X M L unescape. I wasn't. I didn't know about those commands as well as I probably should have. But I learned a little bit more about how to manipulate X M L. Uh, Like referencing –
0: isn't it referencing XML elements inside of a – if you indexed it?
1: Yeah, kind of like using XPath. If you were programming and you're using XPath facility, it's the same thing. It's just an XML, XML XPath command. To let you use that same, you refer to it the same way to pull out and extract. It's basically for extracting the values the way that oh, you cool. want to. And then the the XML unescape is whenever you have a bunch of those other kind of characters in there, and you want to unescape all those things. It kind of cleans up the XML so then you can then pipe to the XPath or whatever to, or other things to to you know extract right. command or XML KV for example, and be able to then uh, have a cleaner. Um, Extraction get more of the values out and stuff. So I was, I was like playing around with that with some Twitter XML Twitter data that I had. Oh,
0: because the stuff. URLs come in URL encoded, yeah. right? And XML unescape takes them and turns them back into human readable stuff, right?
1: Yeah, yeah just it just takes them out. Yeah, so it's oh, more. Cool. And then you can pipe to the XML KV or some of the other things right? or whatever. It's just something nice. I wasn't. I just had never used them before, so I figured I'd talk about it. At least mention them. So if you guys are dealing with XML events or events that have partial or all XML type. Things in the text, then you might want to check those out and see if they work for you.
0: You know, I did a lunch and learn this week uh, with a customer, and, you know, it was sort of like an intro to Splunk thing, you know, and I kind of just mm-hmm. told them what I thought that people who are new to Splunk would want to know or would need to know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking a little bit, I showed them a couple of search commands, not and or, but obviously search commands are things that are after the pipe. Right. And I said, you know, there, there's a help page and a search reference. And there's probably like, I didn't count, but I think there's probably like 80 search commands.
1: Right. there's so, it more than that. Actually. Yeah, there's
0: probably more than that. So even Maverick and I have been here for like 800 years at Splunk. And, y- you know, you, you may use a search command once every year, like some of them. <laughs> and you forget. And you're like, oh, I forgot all about XML on escape. Or I forgot I totally forgot about XPath. And then you'll learn like, wow, I didn't even know that existed. Like I learned something, I for I learned something that was so cool I forgot it, but it turns out it had been in the Splunk since 3.0. I was like, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I forgot it. Now I gotta go back and figure
1: out what it was. Well but that's anyways, next next week or next time. I'll next figure spot.
0: out what it was yeah. I forgot because this is not the what did we forget this week segment. So I have two things. Um simple. One is first one is uh, related to Splunk um, I was ha- working with a telecom customer and we were using um, a command called output lookup and what output lookup does is it basically takes information from your search and turns it in the stuff into a CSV file so for example if you're considering using lookup and some of the data is in another search you can actually take another search and Push it out to a text file and then use the actual lookup in a different search. Well, um, we were trying to build an actual. Every five minutes, we were generating an output lookup and wanted to make a um, a uh, cumulative list of the stuff that we were putting in there. Right, and it turns out output lookup just writes over every time. So there is a way to get around it which is a little bit more technical than probably for this what did I learn, but output lookup does not append. I'm filing a, a case with engineering to make it append, but output lookup, if it were to append, output lookup is like a, like a, a CSV, so you'd really have to make sure that the CSV was the same the first and last time because if the field structure isn't right, then your CSV is all jacked. But it doesn't append. I'm asking for it. Now, here's another thing that I learned. Um, I actually learned this from MacBreak Weekly, which is a podcast, a couple of weeks ago, but I finally tried it for the first time. Some people were complaining about Flash, not Flash and Splunk, but just how much Flash takes up on your computer, how much CPU usage, and why is this important? Well, on modern computers, I'm not going to limit this to Macs, but on modern computers that have Intel processors, Intel processors can go into what's called low power mode. You know how all these vendors are claiming we get nine hours of battery life? Yeah, It's not because the batteries are better. It's because the chips can go into low power mode. Low oh. power mode is anything when the CPU is less than 30%. So wow. you know, like you, let's say you're writing a Word document or something like that. It doesn't need a lot of CPU power for that. So yeah. you, for a lot of the stuff that you do, or even browsing a web page, it probably isn't going to... The, 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 the engine on your browser isn't going to take up that much space, right? But if you're using Flash... Okay, flash can often use more than 30% of your CPU. Sometimes people noticing it using a crap ton. Now, if you use more than 30% of your CPU, your laptop battery will will last, how long did it last five years ago? Two hours, okay, before low power. So there's an app that I had found uh, called Flash Frozen. And Flash Frozen is really cool. It's ninety nine cents on the Mac App Store, and there's probably one like that for Windows. But it basically monitors the Flash process in your browser in Chrome, Safari, and Firefox, and allows you to kill. It'll warn you when it's eating up more than thirty percent, and it'll auto. You can actually auto kill the Flash plugin, oh, which cool. is sort of cool. And why would this matter? I haven't seen Splunk uses Flash at least for now, but I've seen it like. It's not Splunk, but, like, ads. You have some ad that has a bunch of animation on it, and it's sitting in your browser, like, two pages below. And yeah. your browser is eating up, and you're, like, wondering, where'd my battery go? So Flash Frozen, it's at flashfrozen.net, or it's available in the Mac App Store. And instantly, I sent that out to the chat list, and, like, five people were like, oh, thank God, something <laughs> to control this out-of-control thing. It's not that it's out-of-control, but the point is, if it gets over 30%, you'll lose your battery life when you're sitting on the couch, or yeah. wow. on, on the John listening to Splunk talk. So,
1: anyways, that's very, very useful. I appreciate you sharing that. And then I want to say one last thing um, really quick um, Splunk Talk has a Facebook page, and we've got oh, more and yes. more people that have been liking it lately. Like please like it. Please like it if you're we, a Facebook I, user. I think we're up to 20 now, people. We need to get to Facebook. 25. Yeah, we went to 25, hopefully, before the end of the year. So, please go to your Facebook if you're on Facebook and search for Splunk Talk, one word. And like us, and we will be very happy. The
0: reason why we need at least 25 people to like us is so you don't have to do what Maverick just said. Maverick said, search for Splunk Talk. If you get 25 people to like a page, then I can get the URL, like facebook.com slash Splunk Talk would be nice. Yeah. Because maybe they figure if 25 people like you, you're relevant enough to have a URL.
1: So, um, Isn't that special? That's so special? I feel so special. So thank so you. Special.
0: Thanks Maverick for hanging out with me for Splunk Talk.
1: Thank you for hanging out with me and and uh being very clear and accurate and right and correct. I appreciate that. Thank you and thank talk. you for listening,
0: listener on the other end uh who may or may not be cutting grass or flying over the state of Iowa. Uh Jim Pearson uh or uh, Jim Pearson. Um Jim At Pearson. Um <laughs> Anyways, uh, questions, comments, feedback, where do they go?
1: They go to SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. And as Just we send always them send them say,
0: All, one, on three, one, two, three. Happy, Happy Splunking. Splunking.